Free-thinking atheist witchy farmer, herbalist, wise woman, obia woman, healer, off-grid homesteading hedge witch, living close to nature, black Hispanic, Afro-Latina, Jamaican, Honduran, Caribbean American, honoring and embodying the spirit of Queen Nanny of the Maroons, born in the inner city of Boston, educated and came of age in the affluent Metro West suburbs, escaped to beautiful, rural, central Massachusetts in 2015. Welcome to Sweet Sage Homestead. Dead Farm and Path of a Green Witch podcast. My name is Andrea. Remember, Black Lives Matter and love is love. Today is Friday, May 28th, 2021, and I want to share some information on the rules and regulations for herbalism in the United States. Before I get into the rules and regulations, though, I want to share some general information about herbal medicine so that we're on the same page and we know what we're talking about. The information I'm going to share is from the American Herbalist Guild, which is an association of herbal practitioners in the United States of America. So I stumbled upon this information because I was wondering if there were any laws or licensing requirements for becoming an herbalist, and this is what I found in my Google searching. When it comes to the rules and regulations, there's a disclaimer that clearly states this information is for educational purposes only and is not legal advice. Also, this information is only applicable to the United States of America. For general information about herbal medicine, I'm going to go over the following. What is an herb? What is herbal medicine? How are herbs different from pharmaceutical medicines? How is herbal medicine different from conventional medicine? How can herbal medicine help me? How will I know if an herb will work for me? How long does it take for herbs to be effective? How safe are herbs? Where can I get safety information? How is the herbal industry regulated? How do herbalists practice? Are there different approaches to using herbs? Are there different types of herbalists? How do I choose a qualified herbalist? Let's get into those questions and then we'll get into the rules and regulations in terms of licensing requirements and everything for herbalists. The American Herbalist Guild is a nonprofit educational organization for the furtherance of herbalism. So let's jump right in to their answers to those questions that I mentioned. What is an herb? Medicinally, an herb is any plant or plant part used for its therapeutic value, yet many of the world's herbal traditions also include mineral and animal substances as herbal medicines. What is herbal medicine? Herbal medicine is the art and science of using herbs for promoting health and preventing and treating illness. It has persisted as the world's primary form of medicine since the beginning of time, with a written history more than 5,000 years old. While the use of herbs in America has been overshadowed by dependence on modern medications the last 100 years, 75% of the world's population still rely primarily upon traditional healing practices, most of which is herbal medicine. How are herbs different from pharmaceuticals? Most pharmaceutical drugs are single chemical entities that are highly refined and purified and are often synthesized. In 1987, about 80 of modern drugs were originally derived from plants. Currently, only 15% of drugs are derived from plants. In contrast, herbal medicines are prepared from living or dried plants and contain hundreds to thousands of interrelated compounds. Science is beginning to demonstrate that the safety and effectiveness of herbs is often related to the synergy of its many constituents. So what they mean by that is that generally pharmaceutical drugs are made 
made up of just one single chemical, whereas herbal medications are comprised of literally hundreds, if not thousands of different chemicals that work together. And it's the working together of those different chemicals that actually makes the herbal medication effective. That's what they mean by the synergy of its constituents. How is herbal medicine different from conventional medicine? Well, the primary focus of the herbalist is to treat people as individuals, irrespective of the disease or condition they have, and to stimulate their innate healing power through the use of such interventions as herbs, diet, and lifestyle. The primary focus of conventional physicians is to attack diseases using strong chemicals that are difficult for the body to process or through the removal of organs. Not only does this ignore the unique makeup of the individual, but many patients under conventional care suffer from side effects that are as bad as the condition being treated. The philosophical difference between herbalists and conventional physicians has profound significance. So basically what they're saying there is that the herbalist treats the person and the traditional physician treats the disease. Herbalists are people who dedicate their lives to working with medicinal plants. They include native healers, scientists, naturopaths, holistic medical doctors, researchers, writers, herbal pharmacists, medicine makers, wild crafters, harvesters, and herbal farmers, to name a few. While herbalists are quite varied, the common love and respect for life, especially the relationship between plants and humans, unites them. Persons specializing in the therapeutic use of plants may be medical herbalists, traditional herbalists, acupuncturists, midwives, naturopathic physicians, or even one's own grandmother. How can herbs and herbal medicine help me? Herbs can offer you a wide range of safe and effective therapeutic agents that you can use as an integral part of your own healthcare program. They can be used in three essential ways. One, to prevent disease. Two, to treat disease. And three, to maximize one's health potential. Herbs are also used for the symptomatic relief of minor ailments. How will I know if a particular herb will work for me? Medicine is an art, not just a science. No one can predict which herb will work best for every individual in all situations. This can only come with educated self-experimentation and experience or by seeking the assistance of those who are knowledgeable in clinical herbal medicine. The simpler the condition, the easier it is to find a solution. The more complicated the condition, the greater the need there is to seek expert advice. How long does it take for herbs to be effective? The success of herbal treatment always depends upon a variety of factors, including how long the condition has existed, the severity of the condition, the dosage and mode of administration of the herbs, and how diligently treatment plans are followed. It can be as short as 60 seconds when using a spoonful of herbal bitters for gas and bloating after a heavy meal, 20 minutes when soaking in a bath with rosemary tea for a headache, days when using tonic to build energy or months to correct long-standing gynecological imbalances. Difficult chronic conditions can often take years to reverse. How safe are herbs? Well, it depends on the herbs. Most herbs sold as dietary supplements are very safe. When used appropriately, the majority of herbs used by practitioners have no adverse side effects. A review of the traditional and scientific literature worldwide demonstrates that serious side effects from the use of 
of herbal medicines are rare. According to Norman Farnsworth, quote, based on published reports, side effects or toxic reactions associated with herbal medicines in any form are rare. In fact, of all classes of substances reported to cause toxicities of sufficient magnitude to be reported in the United States, plants are the least problematic. End quote. Where can I get safety information? Read product labels carefully. Many manufacturers provide appropriate information. There are also a number of references that are commonly available. As with all medicines, the primary determination of whether a medicine is appropriate for you is based on your own experience. How is the herbal industry regulated? Well, the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, primarily regulates the marketing and advertising of products. The Food and Drug Administration, FDA, primarily regulates the manufacture and labeling of herbal products and has legal authority over assuring that products are manufactured correctly and are truthfully labeled with respect to ingredients and claims. Additionally, there are a number of trade associations that require member companies to adhere to specific codes of ethics and conduct their own testing programs. How do herbalists practice? Herbalists can practice either as primary healthcare providers or adjunct healthcare consultants. Most visits to an herbalist begin with a consultation about your past and current health history, your dietary and lifestyle practices, or other factors related to your health issue. The herbalist, with your involvement, should develop an integrated herbal program that addresses your specific health needs and concerns. You should be treated as a whole person, not as a disease. Are there different approaches to using herbs? Various herbal traditions have developed worldwide. In the West, there are a number of different traditions which include folkloric herbal practices, clinical Western herbal medicine, naturopathic medicine, practitioners of Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, and numerous Native American herbal traditions. Some practitioners use highly developed systems of diagnosis and treatment, while others base their treatment on individual knowledge and experience. Every person must find the herbal practitioner that is most appropriate for them. Are there different types of herbalists? Traditional Western or community herbalists base their work on traditional folk medicine or indications of historical uses of herbs and modern scientific information. Backgrounds may include folk, Native American, eclectic, wise woman, earth-centered, or other traditions. They may be trained through traditional or non-traditional methods such as apprenticeships, schools, or self-study. Medical or Clinical herbalists are present in the United States and in most of the nations in the European Union. Professional education is offered in the USA and throughout Europe in a variety of formats. Most programs cover the traditional use of herbs, the basic medical sciences of biochemistry, nutrition, and anatomy, as well as diagnosis and prescription. The most common titles given to medical herbalists from the Western world include RHAHG, or Registered Herbalists by American Herbalist Guild, MCPP, Member College of Practitioners of Phytotherapy, FNIMH, Fellow National Institute of Medical Herbalists, MNIMH, Member National Institute of Medical Herbalists, FNHAA, Fellow National Herbalist Association of Australia. Traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM, the traditional medicine system of China, is the second largest medical system in the world after Western medicine. Traditional Chinese medicine doctors go through extensive training in theory, practice, herbal therapy, and acupuncture. 
Quite a few states now license acupuncturists, and many consider them primary health care providers. Their titles may include LAC, Licensed Acupuncturist, OMD, Doctor of Oriental Medicine, or DIPCH, NCCA, Diplomat of Chinese Herbology from the National Commission for the Certification of Acupuncturists. Traditional Ayurvedic medicine, Ayurveda, the traditional medical system of India and Nepal, is the third largest herbal medicine system in the world today. Ayurvedic doctors treat more than 80% of the people on the Indian subcontinent and go through extensive training that can last as long as 12 years. Some use the title MD with AYUR for Ayurveda in parentheses when they come to English-speaking countries, while those who have passed the accreditation process of the American Ayurvedic Association are given the title DAV, Diplomat in Ayurvedic Health Science. Naturopathic medicine integrates traditional natural therapeutics with modern scientific medical diagnoses and Western medical standards of care. Most licensed naturopathic physicians, ND, have received full medical training at one of four fully accredited medical universities in North America. There are currently 13 states that license the practice of naturopathic medicine. How do I choose a qualified herbalist? First and foremost, recognize that the relationship between a healthcare provider and a client should begin with clearly articulated goals and responsibilities. Every client should be fully informed of the experience, training, and services provided by the practitioner. Similarly, the provider should clearly understand the goals and desires of the client. Together, the client and provider must determine if the experience and services provided meet the needs of the client. For help and finding a qualified herbalist, either contact your local health food or herb store for referrals, ask for recommendations from people whose judgment you trust, or contact a national organization such as the American Herbalist Guild. The American Herbalist Guild, AHG, was founded in 1989 as a non-profit educational organization to represent the goals and voices of herbalists. It is the only peer-reviewed organization in the United States for professional herbalists specializing in the medicinal use of plants. Herbalists from any tradition with sufficient education and clinical experience who demonstrate advanced knowledge in the medicinal use of plants and who pass the American Herbalist Guild credentialing process, a careful review by a multidisciplinary admission board, receive professional status and the title Registered Herbalist, RH, AHG. The AHG has developed a code of ethics continuing education program and specific standards for registered herbalists. The American Herbalist Guild's roster of registered herbalists includes some of the most respected herbal authorities in the United States and abroad. You can contact the American Herbalist Guild for a free brochure or find a registered herbalist in their national directory of registered herbalists. So that was the general information, some frequently asked questions about herbal medicine fundamentals. And now that we have a basic understanding of what herbal medicine is, we can get into some of the rules and regulations for herbalism in the United States. 
This information is for educational purposes only and is not legal advice. Also, this information is only applicable to the United States of America. So here are the questions. Is there a licensing process for herbalists in the U.S.? Are there any laws that protect my right to be an herbalist? Can I see clients like sell products and promote brands? Can I teach about herbalism? What is DSHEA? What are good manufacturing practices or GMPs? What are labeling requirements? And what do I need to know about FDA compliance? Okay, first question. Are there any licensing requirements for herbalists in the United States? Well, the licensing of medical and many other health practices like massage therapists actually occurs on a state level. There is currently no licensing or certification for herbalists in any state that would preclude the rights of anyone to use, dispense, or recommend herbs. But in a small number of states like California, naturopathic and acupuncturist licensing laws do exist, and they include clauses that define natural remedies and sometimes specifically herbal remedies within the scope of the licensed practice. But there's currently no state-level licensing for herbalists other than those linked to an acupuncture license. So there is no current license that would preclude the right of other health professionals or even lay people to use, dispense, or recommend herbs. You can become a registered herbalist through the American Herbalist Guild, but there are other non-licensed credentials that you can obtain, including the Diplomat in Chinese Herbology offered by the National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, NCCAOM. The American Herbalist Guild's Registered Herbalist title is a voluntary peer-reviewed credential that allows the practitioner to refer to himself or herself as a registered herbalist. This is not a government-issued license. The American Herbalist Guild does not support the licensing of herbalists. Instead, the AHG supports freedom of practice. What laws protect my rights as an herbalist? In the absence of licensing, the First Amendment of the Constitution protects our freedom of speech to provide information to clients related to their health. However, this is restricted by the necessity to avoid practicing medicine without a license. Medical practice is regulated on the state level, and herbalists should familiarize themselves with the language of the statutes in the state in which they practice. Generally speaking, only physicians, and in some cases, some others, such as nurse practitioners, can legally diagnose, prescribe, treat, or cure disease. Herbalists, who are not also MDs, should be clear and transparent with all clients and the public about this. The AHG advises all practitioners to utilize an informed consent and disclosure form that makes this clear. You can find templates of such forms in the AHG Mentorship Handbook. To avoid practicing medicine without a license, herbalists should familiarize themselves well with this language and bear in mind that it applies to all communications, verbal communication to the public and clients, written recommendations, brochures or other literature, and website language. In addition, if you provide herbs to your clients and use language that can be construed as diagnosing, preventing, treating, or curing disease, you may also be violating FDA and FTC regulations 
regulations regarding product claims, since in that context, the herbal remedy can be considered an unapproved drug. There are ongoing efforts to loosen some of these legal restrictions on herbalists and other alternative or holistic practitioners, some with varying degrees of limited success, generally under the rubric of health freedom. These are state-based initiatives. For more information about that, you can go to nationalhealthfreedom.org and look for a link on health freedom laws. As a small-scale pharmacy or herb shop, you may have further restrictions. Depending on the nature of your business, you may have to comply with good manufacturing practices of the FDA. Labeling and advertising would come under FDA and FTC regulations, and you would have to comply with language guidelines also. In some states, there are state laws restricting certain words from being used in the name of the business, such as apothecary, pharmacy, medicine shop, etc. It is incumbent on you to educate yourself about state laws wherever you are practicing or running a business. Bear in mind that there are many ethical practices that are not necessarily legally required, but highly recommended, and you can refer to the American Herbalist Guild's ethics policy as one resource for that. So here's another question. If I teach a workshop or lead an herb walk, am I under the same restrictions as when I see a client? The short answer is no. If you are providing information purely in an educational setting, meaning there is no association whatsoever with a product, product line, or brand, and does not in any way involve giving individuals health advice, then you are mainly free to discuss the therapeutic and historical uses of herbs. This would include leading an herb walk, teaching a class or writing an article or book. But bear in mind that these lines can get blurry quickly. A discussion in a workshop can turn into providing health recommendations. An in-class intake could potentially be considered a clinical, not an educational setting. And of course, the First Amendment has its limitations. We are always ethically accountable as well as potentially legally liable for what we say or write. So now let's get into some of the product and manufacturing related questions. What is the DSHEA? The Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, or DSHEA, is the main piece of legislation regulating the manufacture of dietary supplements, including herbs. DSHEA established the new category of dietary supplement, a subcategory of food, but in some respects falling between the categories of food and drug. So again, this new category is called dietary supplement, and it's a subcategory of food, but it seems to fall somewhere between food and drug. The legal definition of dietary supplement according to DSHEA includes vitamins, minerals, herbs or other botanicals, amino acids, and substances such as enzymes, organ tissues, glandulars, and metabolites. Dietary supplements can also be extracts or concentrates and may be found in many forms such as tablets, capsules, soft gels, gel caps, liquids, or powders. Although there are many DSHEA related challenges for the herbal community, the restrictions it has imposed on the FDA have also protected public freedom of access to herbs to a stronger degree than in some other industrialized nations. So now let's get into some good manufacturing practices, or GMPs. The dietary supplement GMPs, or CGMPs, current good manufacturing practices, are now in force for all manufacturers. Prior to this, herbal manufacturers complied with food GMPs, which are less stringent. 
EMPs address all aspects of the manufacturing process, including positive identification and insurance of purity. For whole herbs, organoleptic and macro identification may be sufficient. For powders and extracts, it is necessary to utilize tools such as microscopy, thin layer chromatography, and or high pressure liquid chromatography. Tracking of source minerals, comprehensive documentation, training of personnel, and hygiene. These are all aspects of the manufacturing process that the GMPs address. It is highly advisable to consider being trained in the GMPs appropriate to your scale of business. It is a highly complex set of regulations and the American Herbalist Guild has some frequently asked questions that are intended solely as a broad overview and introduction to the topic. So I highly recommend that you check out their website. So the next question is, if you purchase extracts from established manufacturers that are GMP compliant and you just compound them into formulas and relabel them for sale to the public, would you be exempt from the GMPs? Well, the short answer is no. If you open the package or change the label, you are now considered a manufacturer and the GMPs apply to you. The next question is, if I make a compound or formula for my clients but do not sell to the general public, am I exempt from the GMPs? No. Again, there is no exemption from the GMPs for the individual herbalist. However, the FDA has decided to use its discretion to not focus on individual practitioners who sell supplements to clients as part of an individual consultation. Theoretically, the FDA could decide at any time to modify this practice though, so be careful. It is advisable for individual herbalists in this situation to familiarize themselves with the GMPs and implement some of the most important best practices such as methods for positive identification of ingredients, tracking of source materials, and proper documentation. What if you work in a student clinic at an herb school? Are you considered a manufacturer and are you required to comply with the GMPs? Well, this is somewhat of a gray area. But for now, the FDA appears to be considering this category in a similar way to the individual herbalist. It is advisable for schools to initiate some of the most important best practices and begin to position themselves to gradually implement the GMPs more fully. So here's another scenario. If I grow and or gather herbs and sell them fresh or dried in a whole unprocessed form such as teas or tea blends with no label claims regarding their use, do I need to comply with the GMPs. While for herbal teas, labeling, marketing, and intended use dictates the regulatory category. For a tea to be considered a general food, it can make no claims to affect the human body. In that case, food-related GMPs and or other regulations may apply such as local or state health or agricultural departments or USDA, but not the dietary supplement GMPs. According to the AHPA guidance document, dried unprocessed herb means means an herb or other botanical that is dehydrated from its fresh state and that has not been subjected to any further processing other than clearing, grading, or size reduction, like cutting or powdering. Similarly, products intended only for topical use may fall under regulations for cosmetics, which are less stringent than those for dietary supplements. The next question is about labeling. What am I required to put on the labels of the herbal remedies I make? Requirements for labels include statement of identity, 
net quantity of contents, direction for use, other ingredients in descending order of predominance and by common name or proprietary blend, and a supplement facts panel. Manufacturers are also now required to put contact information on their labels and must report all serious adverse effects, whether causation has been determined or not, defined as death, a life-threatening experience, inpatient hospitalization, significant or persistent disability, congenital anomaly or birth defect, or requires, based on reasonable medical judgment, medical or surgical intervention to prevent above. So basically, manufacturers are now required to put a lot more information on the label, including their contact information and adverse health effects. A dietary supplement manufacturer wishing to make a claim for a product must ensure that it falls strictly under the definition of a structure slash function claim. If a claim is made or implied that a product can cure, mitigate, treat, or prevent disease, the FDA can consider this to be an unapproved drug claim. Bear in mind that this applies to not only the product label itself, but also any associated literature, brochures, or catalogs, websites, information, potentially even links on the website, and verbal communication in product-related presentations or trainings. The Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, also has jurisdiction over some of these areas in addition to the FDA. If a structure-slash-function claim is made, the following disclaimer must also be present. Quote, this statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, end quote. So that one is really important. Make sure you include that disclaimer afterwards. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's important that you include that language. Prior to making structure function claims, you must possess substantiated evidence supporting that the claim is truthful and not misleading. Appropriate evidence has not been defined by the FDA, however, a guidance document has been issued. Generally, FDA would like to see randomized placebo-controlled studies. In the event that these studies are preclinical or animal, they also require next explanation for why a similar reaction might be expected in humans. Manufacturers are expected to submit pre-market notification of any claims made for dietary supplements. This notification also includes a statement that the manufacturer can substantiate the claim. The pre-market notification has been a requirement since DSHEA was passed, but has only begun to be enforced within the last year. Traditional use claims are not recognized by the FDA. Generally, FDA would consider traditional use claims to be drug claims. In contrast, the FTC has stated that it will not pursue fines for traditional use claims that do not address serious health conditions and are not false or misleading. However, the FTC also states that FDA may choose to pursue enforcement action regardless of the FTC's stance. Names of products do not have to be submitted to the FDA, but the FDA has the authority to consider a name to be a drug claim if it implies the treatment of a disease. The FTC can also consider the name of a product to be false advertising and may require proof of claim. Claims-related violations are one of the more common categories of FDA citations of manufacturers.
Lastly, what else am I required to do as a manufacturer of any size? While there are general requirements for site registration, all manufacturers, regardless of scale, must register their site with FDA. Site registration can be completed on the FDA website. An unregistered manufacturer will be ordered to cease manufacturing until registration has been completed. FDA also reserves the right to take legal action. There are other regulations you may need to comply with, such as paying a tax on ethyl alcohol if you use it in your business, unless you have thoroughly investigated how to be legally exempt. State laws regarding ethyl alcohol vary. You must also educate yourself about the use of other terms or labels such as organic that are outside the scope of this frequently asked questions section. I know that was long. Thank you so much for bearing with me. That was a lot of information, but I think it was a lot of really good information because there are a lot of people like me who are really getting into herbalism. And once you get a good grasp on what you're doing and you've found a few things that are effective treatments, maybe you're growing your own herbs or maybe you're manufacturing some kind of product that you want to share with other people, I think it's important to understand what the laws and regulations are regarding that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this informative. I have so much more to share. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.